The Simbaroom Effect from RPGGods.org and FictionSuit.org Hello, I'm Dave, and welcome to a very special edition of the Coriolis Effect, called The Simbaroom Effect. This episode is an actual play podcast of the first scenario in my new Simbaroom campaign called The Tale of the Lonesome Ogre. Simbaroom is a game that none of us have ever played before and this scenario was both a lot of fun and a learning experience for me, my co-host Matthew and my brother Tony. As with our Coriolis actual play, a known mistake is better than an unknown truth, We recorded this in Matthew's front room, so please don't expect the highest of production values. But we didn't eat Pringles this time, so while you will still hear the clink of coffee cups, there should be much less crunching going on, except for the M&Ms, perhaps. It has only been lightly edited into three episodes. We know that some people are not great fans of actual play podcasts, but please be reassured that these will not get in the way of our usual discussion programmes. But we thought some of our listeners would find our experience of playing and learning this game interesting, as we start to explore other aspects of the Swedish role-playing game world. So please listen, and I hope you enjoy The Simbaroom Effect. Welcome to episode one of The Simbaroom Actual Play, The Tale of the Lonesome Ogre. We're not playing Coriolis this time. Uh, we're trying out a new game from Sweden. Uh, well, not new to everybody, but new to us, called Simbaroom. And this is the first time that we've all played it. Uh, Dave is going to GM, and uh, we thought, partly because it's a two-hander and hopefully easy to understand, and partly because we're all learning, it might make a good actual play. So, yeah, I think the key thing to note is that I've never run this game before. I've gone through the rules, obviously. I've got an idea how they should work. There will be quite a lot of, probably, rules checking. And I will just say, we're eating cheese this episode. It should be quieter than the Pringles from the... (laughs) Just not not much, though, probably. Less crunchy. Less crunchy. Right, then. I guess I'll postpone eating cheese. And So, a few things about the rules... So, guys, you've got your characters. Um, I'll get you to introduce yourselves in a moment. But across the top of your character sheet, you've got your uh, your eight attributes. So that's your accurate, cunning, discreet, persuasive, quick, resolute, strong, and vigilant. And these are the attributes that you use for pretty much everything. So all your skill tests, depending on what you're doing, will relate to one of these attributes. They will then be modified sometimes by uh, the opposing attribute of whatever it is that you're, you're, you're acting against. So for example, in combat, you would use um, accurate normally. Matthew, I think Potboy has got a ability where he can use persuasive instead mm. of accurate in melee combat. But you would roll a d20, and you would need to score less, equal to or less than your score, and that's modified by a number that is generated 
as a result of the, the capability of the person you're, you're, you're acting against. So in combat, it'll be their defence. And that will add a, mod- a modifier, either a plus or a minus to the number you've got to try and roll under. And then you just roll the dice. And if you succeed, you succeed. What if somebody's attacking us? So if somebody's attacking you, you roll the dice for your defence. So this is a game where, if it's run properly, the GM should never roll a dice ever. So if somebody's attacking you, you try and defend against that by using your defence score. What is, is my defence score? Uh, it's at the bottom of your character sheet. There's a six. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, modified by the accuracy of the person who's attacking you. Right. So you then roll to see whether you avoid the incoming attack. Mm-hmm. And the same thing goes for if you are trying to sneak up on uh, a guard, say, or trying to sneak past somebody, that would be your, um, probably your discreet that would roll on, um, but that would be modified by their vigilant score. Similarly, if they were trying to sneak up on you, you would roll your vigilant modified by their discreet. So again, it's all... I think the one thing it does kind of bring in, but let's see how it plays, is the idea that if you don't know someone's sneaking up on you, why are you rolling your vigilant? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but let's see uh, Let's see how it goes. But using your... I suppose it's a measure of how, <clears throat> how much you're paying attention at that particular point. How likely it is you notice them, I suppose. Yes, but then the... I guess there's a, there's a playing thing about you knowing something's going on because I've asked you to roll the mm. dice rather than... And then if you fail, so, you've still got a hint that something's happening. To explain how the defence rolls work again, because my defence is three. So defence is based on your quick. So if I'm defending. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to roll under <laughs> so three, you've got to roll three or under on a d20. Modified by the accuracy of your opponent. So you're pretty poor in combat. Uh, yes. So I mean, it's modified by... Their accuracy. So their accuracy could be a score up to twenty. Yeah. So, the higher that score, the harder it is for me to succeed. Yeah. So if they, uh, so there's an average value. So ten is the average value, where there's no modifier. If they've got a score of um, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, then it's plus one per per point. So quite often, if you're getting into combat against somebody who's half decent, you'll have to roll a one in order to avoid being hit. So is it always? Do you always have the opportunity of rolling a one to avoid it, regardless of... Yes. So it doesn't go to point where they just hit automatically because their no. score is so good. I'm not sure what the rules say on that, but um, that, <clears> I think you've got to give you a chance of avoiding it, I think. Yeah, although I think... It's pretty slim. If I get to fight, I'm getting my head kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> Quite probably, yeah. Abilities and powers, which are the your specialisms, effectively. Now, these are... Some of them are going to be really self, self-explanatory, really quite obvious, and you should have noted down the relevant text to tell you what it means. So abilities are your standard abilities. So for you, Tony, you've got things like Beast Law, so that counts mm-hmm. as an ability. Medic- Medicus, sort of first aid, counts as an ability. Powers are your magical or mystical powers. So you've got Brimstone <coughs> Cascade, Tony, which is yeah. uh, should be written down as power, actually, rather than ability. But there are... Yeah. That's an instant thing. So powers are instant spells that you can cast. Once you've cast it, you can keep it going. So it's not like you have to keep casting it over and over and over again. So you cast it on an enemy, and as a free action, in your next turn, you can just maintain that attack whilst doing other stuff. Without having to roll again. Without having to roll again, yeah. If you then take damage, or something else causes you to be interrupted, then it'll stop. But 
Otherwise, that power works in that effect. It's just constant. You can you can channel the power effectively. Um, you have to concentrate on that. You can't then do something else. You can do something else, because as I said, but you you use a free action each turn in order to to do that. Rituals are slightly different. So rituals are things that take an hour usually, or a bit longer potentially, to to do. So they're spells that will take you time. They're not things you can do in combat. So in combat, um, the the key thing to mention, uh, I think for the moment we'll we'll work it out as we go through the first combat if you have one, but. Uh, initiative is based on your quickness. So the higher the, the higher your quick, the 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 higher in the order you go. Okay. You can choose if you've got a high quick, you can choose your to delay your action in the initiative. So if you were going to go first, but you want to go second, you can choose to do that. But then that's set for the rest of the the rest of the combat. Corruption is the next thing I was going to mention. Now corruption is something that. Uh, that you know, is very important in the game. So if you do things, um, so it's a, it's a, in essence, the world of Simbaroom is is reacting against uh, humankind and mankind or creatures, uh, you know, um, intelligent kinds activities that are unnatural, and they will respond against that. Things like magic are unnatural, and so if you cast any of your spells, tone, you will get one one d four temporary corruption if your corruption level reaches your corruption threshold which you should be on your character sheet mm-hmm. then you're going to start getting permanent corruption. corruption when you get permanent corruption as the name suggests mm. uh, it's very very difficult to get rid of it temporary corruption will dissipate at the end of a particular scene so that and you get one d4 of corruption for every time you mm. but that's not for every turn. So you cast Brimstone Cascade once. You yep. roll 1d4 corruption. You then channel it the next turn to carry on doing damage. You don't roll 1d4 then. If you get interrupted and you then have to cast it again, you then get another 1d4. Okay. When your permanent corruption reaches your resolute score, you are an NPC. You are, per- you are completely corrupted. So avoiding corruption is a good thing. You'll note, Tone, that your wizardry mm. um, ability yeah. allows you to learn novice-level wizardry powers and rituals without gaining corruption. Otherwise, you would gain corruption. <coughs> for learning. So, that's, so that's, that would apply to casting them or just to learning? No, nope, that's just learning them. <clears throat> so if you cast them, you then get the 1d4 temporary, temporary corruption. corruption. Other things can give you corruption as well, like... Um, you know, evil things out in the forest of Davakar, but the key thing to mention, uh, to be aware of, is that you will earn corruption by casting spells. And um, what and counts the, as spells? Uh, your, so things like, like telepathic interrogation, which is yeah, a ritual, is that a spell? That is a spell, yeah. And the brimstone cascade, presumably. Yeah. So everything else there isn't. Things like Medicus and Beast Law are no, not. They are um, their abilities. Medicus, first aid, Beast Law, knowledge about beasts. <clears throat> yeah. Um, the last thing I'm going to mention before we start playing is... Oh, sorry, gone, but how long does yeah. the your temporary corruption last? It, it lasts until the end of that particular scene. Okay. But in essence, it's going to last a few hours. Okay? Yep. The last thing I'm going to mention is re-rolls. So if you've rolled a dice and you fail and you really want to roll again, there are two ways in which you can uh, buy a re-roll. Going to the icons, obviously. <laughs> you can try it. It might not work in Simbaroo. Um one is you burn a point of experience 
to do it. So I, <coughs> as the game goes on, I'm going to try and uh, give you experience for uh, good bits of role playing or good bits of play, um, and I will give you a chip. red chip, which you can then, if you want to, for a reroll, burn it. You will earn some experience at the end of the game, mm-hmm. but overall, the overall experience you'll gain for the game itself would, isn't going to be increased because I'm giving you some to burn. So if you want to burn an experience, it will affect, obviously, how much experience you have at the end of the game to level up. Is so that in the rules? Is that... Yep. Right. Yep. So also, there's a thing about you might want to save experience between games to then have as points to burn for the next game. Right. Uh, but we'll get to that when we get to the end and we've got some experience to, to play with. The other way of getting a reroll is to take a point of permanent corruption. So I... Wouldn't mm, no, underestimate how desperate you might need to be. I think yeah, that's going to be do a that, real, real last ditch. Yeah, it's and that's only a reroll to avoid. A and that's only a reroll. Yeah, yeah. But the opportunity is there. So if you needed to, or you felt it was important enough, then you can do that. But you would take a point of permanent corruption. I'm having sat here watching YouTube chomping cheese while we're doing quick. My turn. Right, now, what you should have said is, Tony, tell us about your character. And then <laughs> That's why you're the best GM now. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to edit that you out. You heard it here first. <laughs> I'm going to save that bit <laughs> into a little sound bite. And then we'll get a sound bite. <laughs> and then every time, every time I say anything, you all reply, that's why you're the best GM. <laughs> I knew the back of my mind was saying, don't say that, Dave. Don't, <laughs> don't say it. You don't mean it, so don't say it. Okay, so let me give you a little bit of background. Would you like us to read out the background while you eat some cheese? I think that's a great idea, actually. I wasn't necessarily going to read it all out, but um, I highlighted bits there. Okay. But feel free to read as much or as little as you like. Thank you. 21 years ago, the war against the Dark Lords and their undead hordes was finally over. The warrior queen, Corinthia, stood tall in victory. So the Ambrians spread north, back to the lands their history told them had once long ago been theirs. They found virgin plains and new lakes as they expanded beyond the Titan Mountains towards the dark forests of Davakar. The barbarians and the elder peoples who were already on those lands the ogres, goblins, elves and similar folk were either subdued or didn't resist the expansion, although some, most notably the elves, just faded away into the forests and were seldom seen again. The great city of Yindaros. Yindaros. The great city of Yindaros was founded and the northern outposts established. The likes of Thistlehold, Karos Fen and Karam sprang into life. <clears throat> and Granite Hold was founded too. Granite Hold was even further north than many of these settlements and was more closely entwined within the forest of Dakavar. Davakar. than even Thistle Hold. Resting near the Raven's Mountain Range to take advantage of the rich mines that lay within and on the shores of the newly named Corinmere. Trade was brisk while the mines were productive. Twenty years after it was established, Granite Hold found itself alone 
an outpost forgotten by the very kingdom that had urged her citizens to break the frontier and to build a new life far from the warm Ambrian hearths that they had left behind. When Amla and Elgor, two young goblins travelling with the first settlers, arrived at the clear ground that would become Granite Hold, they found four things that made this place special. First was the great natural stone bridge spanning the slowly moving river that rolled from the mountains to feed Corinmere. Second was the immense tree, surely thousands of years old, standing alone like a silent guardian overlooking the lake. And thirdly, what appeared to be a statue or perhaps a poor creature turned to stone by some evil magic, a mother ogre standing in defiance of something unseen and long departed. And finally, a young ogre sitting in the shadow of the statue, lost and confused. Against the advice of the mission's leader, an old Ambrian called Master Abel Rodina, the goblins started construction of their business, a brewery and inn, outside the new walls and beside the statue. They named the place in its honour, the Inn of the Lonesome Ogre. Those early years were good for Granite Hold. New settlers arrived every day, land was cleared for farming and livestock, the river was tamed, and another small settlement, Timmel Mills, was established a few miles up the river. Mines were opened in the footholds of the mountains, and stone and iron flowed back down the river to Granite Hold and onwards. Then things began to turn. Reports of strange creatures, <coughs> of strange creatures in the mines first started to filter back then skirmishes with mountain ogres became more and more common. There were even rumours of giants coming down from the heights of the ravens. The upshot was that the miners disappeared. The mines started to shut and production dried up. Now, only some goblins continue to try to mine the upper levels of those forests. Oh, God. <laughs> now, only some goblins continue to try to mine the upper levels of those mines closest to the hold. Many question the wisdom of persisting, as the mines are of poor quality and have largely been mined out already. Then the darkness began to settle over the hold. Some said the forest had had enough of the Ambrian incursion, others that the elves were behind the evil that started to stalk the land. It started far out. Hunters and gatherers, who would only rarely delve in deep into the forest anyway, reported things in the dark, watching them, following them. Then some just didn't return. Livestock started disappearing. Crops would fail. The Hold's watchmen, low on numbers, low on skill and experience, but high on willingness to serve, have tried to reassure the people that life can go on. But matters didn't get better. They got worse, until even the walls were no defence. The unseen evil now stalks the very streets of Granite Hold itself when the sun goes down. The sound of the Church of the Sun's bells, ringing out when the sun touches the tops of the forest to the west, has become a daily clarion call to flee home and secure your doors and windows, and hunker down to await the sun sunrise and survive the night. That's where we are. Would you gentlemen like to uh, introduce yourselves? Mm. I am uh, Rado Maramai. I'm Changeling. I was raised as human for a while, my family believing I was their son, but it became apparent quite early on that 
child, in fact, was not human, and that the their real son had been swapped out by the elves at some stage. But my family did not take this well, and as soon as they realised, immediately disowned me and cast me out. Um, Alma, Amla, and Elgor, the goblins who run the Inn of the Lonesome Omega, took me in and took care of me. They were the only people who treated me well at this time and now I live uh, at the inn sleeping in the cellar helping out with odd jobs mid is now my my family and my home is at the inn of the Lindsomega <clears throat> I don't know I should say obviously anything about my real heritage about the elves or what their motivation was for leaving me with this human family um, but I think I would if the opportunity arose, I would like to find out. Is the idea of children being swapped out for elves part of the stuff that's been going down recently? Um, or is that a long-standing thing? It's a, it is a relatively long-standing thing. The changing <coughs> the, the elves, for whatever reason, have done this kind of thing before. But mm. in Granite Hole, this was the first time. In fact, there were two changelings. The other one has disappeared. Um... For this, this episode, for this, anyway. for this episode, anyway. <laughs> um, when his his parents wanted to, still loved him, regardless of whether he was a changeling or not, and wanted to keep him, but the town authorities uh, disagreed him. and ran them out of town. So Grendel, the, the name of the other changeling, was left very much like Rado Maramai, just on the city streets, um, but has disappeared. So, I am the ogre known as Potboy. <clears throat> Nobody knows whether ogres have got names. They never sort of share their name if they have it. So, they are given names by the people they work with. And Potboy has been a feature of the brewery tap here at the inn of the <clears throat> Lonesome Ogre for as long as anyone can remember. Modestly bussing tables and washing up all day. Some say he lived here before the brewery was even built. He is of unknowable age, being an ogre, with sad, dark eyes that command a certain authority. He says very little, but can stop a brawl with just a look. Indoors he stops, sorry, indoors he stoops because generally rooms are not made high enough, but outdoors. He stands tall. I'll just tell you a little bit of the things I've got. So I've got a couple of racial traits. Uh, one of which is robust. And actually I pushed that up into advanced <coughs> robust when I was generating my character. <coughs> I noticed that, yeah. <coughs> um, which means that uh, robust means I can only use light armour. And has to be custom made because I'm a bigger fella. And it costs three times the normal price. In return, the character ignores 1d6 of damage from each hit taken, in, in addition to any armour it wears. Furthermore, it can deal 1d6 extra damage with the melee each turn. I've also got Dominate, which is this idea of stopping a brawl with just a look. Mm. So I can use Persuasive instead of Accurate in melee combat. In social situations, the ability can also be used to scare someone into obedience and force secrets out of them. 
You won't hear me talk much. Right? The, my idea <coughs> with this is to be really quite a silent, uh, normally quite talkative characters, but I'm going to try very hard <laughs> not to be. <laughs> I will describe Potboy's actions, obviously. Uh, but around the table, I might just stare at people. So <laughs> in a meaningful you, way. In a meaningful way, which clearly makes perfect sense. Perfect sense for a to podcast. Me. <laughs> uh, but maybe it doesn't make such good sense for a podcast. Um, I'm also steadfast, which means I can make a second attempt to succeed with a strong or resolute test when trying to break an ongoing physical effect from, for example, traps or poisons and elixirs. Uh, this includes energies from mystical powers as long as these are manifested physically in the form of fire, acid or similar. And the other trait that I have, although it doesn't really have a mechanical effect, is long-lived. And I'm also a pariah. So by pariah, that means you're looked down upon by largely human society. <clears throat> Sorry? <clears throat> in, my, in my background for this, I'd had it squarely in mind that the ogre that Amla and Elgor found sitting lost and confused by the, the statue was Potboy. Mm, I guess that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm just confirming that, that you 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 are content with that idea and yeah. think it works. Well, that does then make, does that then make the named after me? Hmm. Which is yeah. a little bit weird. But I can live with that. I'm just a modest ogre. I mean, imagine an inn named after me. <laughs> uh, that's not <clears throat> how Potboy talks. <laughs> <laughs> I hate or maybe pop- it is. <laughs> maybe that's why he doesn't that's talk. That's why he doesn't talk. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> sounds like Graham Norton. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Um, Tone, did you want to just say a little bit about your um, abilities in um, <clears throat> in the same vein? That'd be helpful. Uh, yes, I uh, am also long-lived because of my elven heritage. Um, uh, I know about the beasts and creatures. I have beast lore. Um, I'm also uh, reasonably competent at healing, medical skill. Um, and I have some uh, wizardry-type powers. I have the wizardry power itself, which means I can learn novice um, wizardry powers and rituals without suffering any permanent corruption. So on that point, in, in the game, there are a number of schools of, of mystic um, thinking, and wizardry is one of them. In your background, I think, Tone, the way we, the way we were thinking of it was that you were attending uh, the wizardry college, as it were, which is how you know wizardry, up to the point that they then recognised that you were a changeling and kicked you out. So really, I kind of got the impression that I'd been kicked out considerably younger than than because <clears throat> simply being at the wizardry college, what sort of age would that uh, be? I think you could have started it young. <clears throat> I think that's not a there's not a problem okay. with that because I got the impression it was a reasonably young age that I mm. it was became obvious that I was not human and got kicked out. So I think um, probably sort of young teenager would be the age where it started to become clear that you were okay. Okay, a bit older than I'd imagine, but that's fine. Um, if you're happy with that, yeah, yeah. I, 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 to I be think, honest, it makes probably makes the impact a, of it a bit harder. So I've, I've become obviously, you know, that age. That was my, you know, my life was kind of well set then. <clears> in <throat> that case, and it would be a bigger shock to 
for that suddenly to be ripped up away from me. Yeah. Okay, cool. <clears throat> thank you. Uh, but the powers I've got, I've got Brimstone Cascade, which is obviously an attacking power, where I can unleash Rampaging Spirits of Fire <clears throat> and bring down Fire and Brimstone against an enemy. Um, I have Telepathic Interrogation, which means I have to, I have to, to touch a, the subject of it, uh, but I can... Uh, basically stretch out my mind, read the thoughts and get an answer to a, a yes-no question from the victim. But I had to touch them to do it. So. Mm. And that's a ritual, so you need to spend yeah. an hour preparing in order to do that. Cool. It could have taken another 30 seconds whilst I'm finished off my last bit of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just say, uh, mm. can we just discuss the sort of damage we do as well, just, mm. uh, out of kind of period <clears throat> interest? Uh, I'm currently unarmed because I'm the pot boy at the pub, but I do 1d4 plus 1d6 damage. That 1d6 unarmed. coming out of um, me being robust. Mm. Uh, so, I'm not, so I have a, I have do have some weapons. I have a dagger and a crossbow. My dagger does 1d6 damage. On a crossbow, 1d10. I'm not sure what damage I would do unarmed. Well, you probably you'd use a dagger, I guess. Yes, but if for some reason I didn't have a nail, or, or uh, I guess I might just be one d four, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also have the brimstone cascade, which, which I can't use too often uh, because it's that's uh, the um, you get some mystical temp- power. Yeah, and I'll get some temporary cut from doing it. But that does one d twelve damage on a success. Uh, but even if I fail the the roll on that, it still does one d six damage. Oh. So it's guaranteed one d six damage. Yeah. yeah. So in this game, if you go to zero. Uh, toughness. You then um, you are in the, uh, the well, the death zone effectively, and there is a you then roll on the. Doesn't sound like a good place to be. <laughs> the death zone. Welcome to the death zone. Um, so you then have to make start making death tests, and to do that you roll a d20, and that then kind of uh, specifies how quickly you die, or whether you don't. So a, a one on the death test roll means actually that you know the damage looked a lot worse than it actually was, and you've. So lower is better. Yeah. Oh, yeah it's, I guess it's an old one. You get 1d4 toughness back, um, and you can carry on acting, um, taking action. If you roll a 2 to 10, you remain at death's threshold, um, but you're not about to, you're not on the verge of dying. 11 to 19, you are one step closer to death. So the third time you roll, so you roll this die every turn after you reach zero hit points, yeah. zero toughness. Uh, 11 to 19, you get... You're one step closer to death, and if you roll this three times, you then die. And this is all giving people time to try and save you and yeah. uh, heal you. Or if you roll a 20, you you have a few seconds to say some last harsh words, but you die. <laughs> Do you have any healing skills there? Pot boy? The healing skills? You've got to be joking. I'm a pot boy. <laughs> My skills are in collecting glasses. I can hold quite a lot of glasses. Um... <laughs> Or earthenware pots, or whatever it is we're using in in this world. I guess glasses are quite expensive things. What do we mine? What 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 has granite hold been mining? Um, iron and stone, largely. Right, granite, I guess. Mm. Um, so quarry, quarrying the granite and mining the iron. Yeah, gotcha. And an occasional vein, or in the past, there were occasional veins of uh, more. Uh, precious metals, but they were few and far between. But the appetite for iron and stone uh, across Ambria, which is all further to the south of you, mm-hmm. has 
had been when we were producing yeah had been pretty good yeah so you've got there um, some maps so you've got a map of Granite Hold you've got a map of the area where Granite Hold is um, you should have a map of uh, the inn mm-hmm. and then a wider map of uh, of the world so yeah so where is the inn in relation to these so at the bottom the, the, so, the, the, so all the maps are facing north oh so it's in I thought so is this the wall? Yes. So oh, in the background... I thought the it was outside the wall? It, it was in the original. Ah. So the original wall simply covered where the main east and west square are. Oh, there. Okay. Mm. Um, but the, 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 the point being that Amla and Elgor felt so much um, protection for Potboy that they decided to build outside of that because Potboy didn't want to stay within those walls because he wanted to stay near the, near, near the statue. That statue yeah. is still there. That statue is still there outside the front door. Yeah, that was by, by the by the inn. Yeah. yeah. So the, the city has grown to encompass the lands of Moga. Yes, absolutely. So when they rebuilt the walls uh, in the first ten years, they rebuilt them far enough down to. And that's a natural bridge, but there's another bridge I see on the plan. Yep, yeah, there was a wooden bridge that's been built on the plan. Um, the granite tree is the tree that was referred to in the background, and it's absolutely enormous. It's Easily thirty foot across at the at the base, if not a bit more. I think on the map it's probably a bit more than that. It has uh, a huge. Obviously, the, the bottom trunk is huge. It goes up about ten meters, and then you've got multiple trunks coming out of that, which what in effect leaves a little platform, a little space in the middle where you can stand and people can stand and then use use that to as a, as an outlook um, to look around. The uh, surrounding areas, the walls of so this, this tree is high enough that you can basically see. Yeah, use it as a lookout post and see outside yes. the walls. Absolutely, <clears throat> the walls themselves are only about fifteen feet high, so they're not. They are defensive palisade, but they're not particularly strong. And where, for the benefit of our listeners who may be Simbaroon players, in this map of the forest of Davakar, yeah, where is Granite Hold? Granite Hold is. Uh, it's on the eastern side of. Uh, the map. So if you see, if you're looking at the map and you look to where Karos Fen is, and follow the river north, you come to a uh, another large lake, and Granite Hold is on the north bank of that large lake. Mm-hmm. And that lake is called Corinmere. Gotcha. Right. So this is a, a new invention. I've added this. I didn't want to play in Thistle Hold. I thought it was a little bit too big for what I was looking to do. I mean, the adventure may well take you there one day. You never know. But um, Granite Hold is smaller than Thistle Hold. And so this is Cornmere. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Too. Yeah. So you're quite far north. You're quite, <coughs> as an outpost, it, Granite Hold is quite exposed. And even more so since the interest of uh, the Ambrians has, has waned because it was expensive to maintain. But by then, a lot of people have made their lives here. And a lot of people are trying to, trying to continue to keep their lives here. So it's daytime at the inn. It's quite busy. Uh, you usually get a few people in. Do um, humans frequent the inn? They're not worried that it's run by ogres, goblins. Goblins. No. Yeah. So the 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 majority of the population are human, are Ambrian. Uh, there's a few barbarians <coughs> from the barbarian lands, which are to the west. Uh, not so many of those, though. There are. There's no other ogres here, other than Potboy. There's a fair number of goblins though as well, um, and they do a lot of the 
menial work. They do a lot of the uh, the mining <coughs> and uh, dangerous tasks that the that the embryons, the humans, are happy to leave the goblins to do. Amla and Elgor are quite high status in the goblin community. You do get plenty of humans coming into the inner the Lentimoga. None of them. It, it, it's strange. I mean. The fact that they do look down on Potboy a bit, but he's been here forever, so everyone's just used to him. They they don't want changelings being brought up as members of families, but they don't seem to oppose your presence. So they're not victimising you or anything, but they wouldn't want you being brought up as a human child. Does he look obviously family. changeling? What, what yes. marks him out as a changeling? Uh, I can show you a picture in here. So imagine human, but with sort of extenuated elvish kind of features. But that's that's a picture of a changeling on the left. Oh right, or on my left or right? Right, looking quite a lot like a dark elf out of D and D. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's not completely elvish. So it's definitely it's not an elf, but it's something in between an elf mm. and a human. Uh, but nobody has ever really understood. <clears throat> What they are, where they come from, why the elves would swap swap them with children. Some suggest it's just the, the elves having a, a sick sense of humour. Uh, others suggest there's a much more macabre and nefarious reason behind the elves stealing human children. The elves have never said anything about it. Not that there's really an opportunity is to ask them. Is there much contact with elves? Not really, no. No. Yeah, there are no kind of elves that would wander into town. And no. Attract. Nope. No. So the elves <clears throat> are in the forest. So sometimes some of the uh, adventurers and treasure hunters who go into Davakar and some of the hunters and gatherers have seen elves but don't ever really engage. There's, there's no real engagement between them. So the inn itself is, is, is usually reasonably busy uh, up until the church, the church of the Sun's Bell starts to ring. Um, except on festival times, when Amla and Elgor would would bring in plenty of pallets and blankets so people could enjoy the festival <coughs> throughout the night, and then everyone would just sleep on the floor in the inn at uh, at the end of the end of the night. So, is there in the inn? Is there um, kind of accommodation? There's no, no, there's no, so there's not, no actual accommodation. No, it's not an actual inn. It's a brewery. It's a brewery with, with, a, with a bar. Yeah. <coughs> Yeah, and you two sleep down in the old barrel cellar, which has got a big, it's got a big cellar door uh, out into the open, and obviously there's stairs that run up into the back of the kitchen. So <clears throat> there is one such festival coming up in a few weeks. It's called the Festival of the Silver Fields, and it's in effect a harvest festival. It's a kind of Thanksgiving for for all the. Uh, the bountiful harvest that, uh, that that the gods provide for the people of Granite Hold, which you know, is increasingly sort of ironic considering... <clears throat> it's not that bountiful. It's not that bountiful, no. Talking of the gods, are there... Is there a prominent religion or are there multiple gods? That... Well, it's the Church of the Sun. So there's the Church of the Sun, um, <clears throat> which is um, Prios. Uh, let me have a little look. Prios is the sun, is the sun god. So the Church of the Sun worships Prios, the sun, and that's the that's the prevailing Ambrian religion. 
The goblins probably have some religions of their own, but Ambrians don't really care too much about that. But as the yeah, as the leading theology, uh, and most people are reasonably God fearing, um, it's uh, it's the Church of the Sun. Yeah. And in this world, do the gods interact with people? I mean, is there real evidence that they actually exist? Um, <coughs> not really. Not that you've seen, anyway. So, as uh, as with every year, Amla and Elgor are planning a an event here at the uh, Inn of the Lensamoga to celebrate the Festival of the Silver Fields. But they need supplies, and you can tell that they are... I mean, they're both very old now. You know, uh, goblins don't live very long. Um, they're both in their 30s, which is, which is getting quite aged for goblins. And they, they are concerned that supplies haven't been arriving particularly uh, in order for them to be brewing the amount of beer and stuff that they need to be to brew in advance of um, in advance of the festival and the festivities so these um, the supplies tend to arrive from Tymal Mills so Tymal Mills is to the north it's a few miles uh, up the river which is where it's a the outpost was set up in Tymore Mills because it's a perfect place, not only for using the river to drive the mills with water wheels, but there is a, a natural gorge which funnels uh, winds coming from the from the northeast, and so they've built a range of windmills there as well to take advantage of of the winds that are particularly persistent and strong and reliable in that area. And what they tend to do is they they grind all the the, the relevant uh, grain. They they mash up the the barley and the and the malt, stick it into barrels uh, that are marked up, and then they're put into the river to float down. <coughs> and they'll arrive with dwarves inside. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah, you know you haven't come across any dwarves. Okay. okay. Just checking. There is an expansion that brings dwarves in, <laughs> but I don't have it. Okay. So at the moment so there are no dwarves. Don't exist. <laughs> um. And those those barrels are then just because because it's all pretty barren. There's no other people here. The way it's been run is the the barrels have just been dropped in the river. They float down the river, end up at the north gate of Granite Hold, where they're fished out of the water and then transported to whoever is expecting to um, to receive the uh, receive the um, delivery. There are boats <coughs> that go up and down the river sometimes, uh, like long barges, but the the river is narrow but fast and deep, so it's uh, it's very difficult to get the boats up river, which is why they tend to just let the barrels float down. Can I? Can you both please make a vigilant test? Ah, so there's something to see again. <laughs> that, Could on, be, but that will be uh, adjusted by so minus five to your number. Your so I'm going to get five or less. I've got vigilant so, ten. Yep. So it's minus not minus five to what we roll. It's minus, it's minus five, five to our to target. target. Yeah. Okay, so that makes it harder. Basically. Yes. Okay. I spot something. <clears throat> and you need to get to equal, equal, or... equal or less. I've got a clue. I'm totally in my own world. <laughs> no idea what's going on. Okay, um, Pop Boy, is you're busying yourself going around the tables and, and clearing stuff up on the upper part of the of the main uh, the main bar area. So you'll see that you come in there. Yeah. No. So if you, hang on, you know the right thing. 
So it's just the front door here yep. with the statue. Uh, this is all seating and everything, the door to the kitchens. These steps go up to here. Yeah. So here, at the level above, is a rail and more bar area. Right, okay. So you can okay. stand so at the rail. you look down into that. Exactly, yeah. So here you're still on top of the kitchen. <coughs> um, you are clearing some tables up here, mm-hmm. and you see um, you're not far from Ambler and Elgor. And, and you just like see... a bar here, this yes, side. Yes, that's, that's right. And, and they're talking in, in lowered voices because they don't, I think they're, you know, they're trying to keep it. But it's, Amla, Amla says to Elgor that we, you know, we're, 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 we're nearly going under here. If we don't get that delivery, you know, we're not getting enough trade. We need, we need the, the fillers are fleecing us. We need, we need the festival of the silver fields to, to really keep us going. And, and Elgor's like, well, what do you, what, what can we do? What should we what, what, you know, what do you want us to do? The, the deliveries haven't come. And then they see that you are a bit closer and they're going, so that'll be 10 barrels of uh, golden golden acre for, um, for ah, pot boy. Golden acre, should we have that for this year's festival? I guess for the listeners, that's a knowing look. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I... Can I use my persuasive to, you know, I've grown up with these guys. I see them kind of as, um, well, I haven't grown up, but you don't know how old I am. But, um, no. But, no, it's a good point that you make that actually it's not necessarily a young ogre. Yeah. It's uh, just a lost and confused ogre. Yeah. That was found by the yeah. uh, statue. Um, but I do kind of, you know, they, they've, they've, they've been my guidance into this human world. They've been the... The people that have supported me as this as my environment has changed and stuff. So I look at them as some sort of proxy parent, possibly. Um, I've never expressed that to them because I never express anything to anybody. <laughs> but I will, through the power of my stare, try and persuade them <laughs> to look at them in a sad sort of way and try and persuade them with just a look to be honest with me and, and to... to uh, not try and put on a positive face. Okay. Um, so that's going to be a persuade roll for you against they are probably resolute, I think, because um, they don't want to. They want to worry you. Yeah. So that's minus two. Minus two. So I've got to get thirteen or less to persuade them, and I get fourteen. <laughs> <coughs> okay. They. 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 they 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 see that you know you're obviously looking concerned and and they don't worry, Popway, everything's fine. I will endeavour to give them a smile. <laughs> okay, I'm uh, sure you can give them a smile. Sure them. Uh, and <clears throat> just go about my business some more. However, I am concerned that they haven't got a delivery they were expecting. No, they haven't. So as the day begins to wear on, uh, it's get, getting into the afternoon. Um, a lot of the talk in the inn is about the the latest victim of Brother Magister. Brother Magister being, um, well, he calls himself the master of the sun faith. But everyone else thinks he's just uh, an acolyte at the Church of the Sun who's making a, you know, picking himself up rather a lot. Um, and his latest victim um, was a... Uh, an old dowager called Mrs. Paris. 
and she was accused of uh, of being behind the dark evil that's stalking the streets of Granite Hold. And at the moment, her body still swings from the noose, which is hanging from the granite tree <coughs> in the uh, the west. So the granite tree is also our scaffold, as well as the old tree here. It, it is today. There isn't a permanent scaffold, but she was she was hanged from the tree. The multi-purpose tree yesterday. Not sure I like that. There's 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 quite a lot of. Uh, well, it's very mixed feelings from the from the clientele in the uh, in the inn. Some think that this is just an outrage that this poor woman was singled out. Others think, well, if Brother Magister is is actually trying to protect us, then maybe he's onto something. Maybe he does know. Maybe this was justified. Maybe she was behind it. But there's no real. Nobody stopped it. Was there a trial or anything? Was it was it even a kind of show witch trial or did? It... There was there was a, there was a brief trial. Um, just... Judge, there was a we, there is a judge in town called Gwadar Arig, if I could say that clearly. Um, but Judge Gwadar is thought to be in cahoots with Brother Magister, uh, <clears throat> and that brother whatever Brother Magister says, that you know Judge Gwadar would would go along with. He doesn't seem to be very strong. And is it just the judge's decision whether someone's yes. innocent or guilty and gets? Yeah, punished accordingly. Absolutely. Well, it sounds a bit dodgy to me. I wouldn't trust any of these humans. You're saying that to the clientele. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. <clears throat> my head. Okay, the day is sort of slowly rolling on. A couple of the, uh, a couple of your clientele are getting really quite drunk. One of them is a goblin, who um, make a vigilant roll. But you can Maybe. add Maybe modification. You can add plus two to your target number. Yep. No. Twenty. Is that a critical <laughs> fail? I mean, twenty is, is in effect a critical fail. Yes. Is there any consequence? Not. Not on, really, this, not on this I'm occasion. I'm really not paying attention to anything. No. Um, no idea what's going on. <laughs> this this goblin is called Shiggy, mm-hmm. and he's a miner, um, and he's he's lost everything in the mines. So his crew are all either dead or lost or fled um, after what he claims was a was an attack by a, a frost peak giant <coughs> when there were the mines a couple of weeks ago and he's basically drowning his sorrows uh, at the moment there's also a uh, a woman um, who again make a vigilant roll please see whether you know her 12 which plus two still I would get. No, a sixteen, which is a failure, whatever. Okay. Um this probably reflects quite well actually, seeing Potboy's been around forever and I guess just sees everybody and you haven't been here that long. Or you were a child and perhaps weren't paying attention in the same way. Um So not paying attention. <laughs> so this this woman is called Lucine. Uh and you know that uh, Sorry, how do you spell that? L U C I N E H. Mm-hmm. And you know that her husband, who was a hunter called Arsen, went out to hunt a week ago, and has never come back. And she is also very drunk, and is sort of slumbering in her place. Uh, She's table. human. She's human. Yep. Um, again, vigilant test, both of you, please. I like the test. Uh, don't make that one, though. 
Yes, I'm, I'm having a look up from. Okay. Gazing at my um, when you when you both sort of notice, because she's sort of sobbing and making a bit of a bit of a scene, a little bit. Um, you remember that she has three young children, um, Thomas, Tauros, and Tallinn. Um, and she's beginning to bewail their bewail their futures and what what's going to become of them now that she's <coughs> certain that Arson has died in the forest. Arson. That's the name of her husband, yep. Okay, you hear the daily sound of the bells of the Church of the Sun. Right. So I will immediately, this is just routine for me, is I start picking up all the pots. Yep. Um, possibly even those that are half drunk, knowing that unless people are dumping them down at the moment, they're... they're they should be going there. You've got, yeah, so this gives you about less than half an hour Yeah. So before the sun actually sets. So this is effectively closing time as opposed <clears> to <throat> last orders, I'm guessing. So I yes. you know, I start stacking the pots up. I guess I'll do it as well and help him out. Yeah, okay. Um, as, you're, as you're doing that, you're going to take the, the drink from, from Shiggy. Uh, he says, Pop boy, can I, can I sleep here tonight? I don't wish to return to an empty, empty hall. I consider for a moment. I look at... Uh, give him a meaningful look. <laughs> well, <laughs> give him a meaningful look. Go on. No, no, no. Go on. <laughs> That's, very meaningful. That's not meaningful. Yeah, making me laugh. I won't tell her. you what that look looked like. And then I'm, I'm patting it on his shoulder. Okay. He says... Uh, I'll have another one of these, then please. He's got a big jug of ale. Um, I hold up my hand. For money? Well. Presumably. Yeah. I'm yeah, he's, he's got some coins on the on the, on the desk. He, he, <coughs> slide, he slides a... I take the requisite amount for another pint. Yeah. Um, and take his... Well, I'll take everything to the bar, but I'm keeping his, his, his mug separate. Put everything back on the bar... Pour this, or you know, give this to one of the goblins to. Yeah, but, yeah. Amla takes it, and yeah, and uh, I'll bring it back to him. Okay. And I'll exchange the money. Obviously, I'll give her the money as well. Yeah. Um. Cool. That's good. So he's uh, sort of settling himself in. The other, uh, the other patrons are tempted to get up and, and get out as soon as the bells start to ring. There's lots of like downing of drinks and. Mm-hmm. Uh, the place is clearing quite quickly. Normally, your your responsibilities, pot boy, would be to include securing all the external doors and windows, um, including those on the balcony, on the veranda, the cellar door. Sort of go around the right. So once most of the cups are away, I will do that thing. Okay. Um, Tone, what are you doing? Well, presumably, I, my role in this would be to help pot, pot yeah. boy in his these duties so we, we kind of share out the which doors to check but we'll go and check some of the maybe I'll go upstairs and do the ones there if we're doing the ones downstairs okay I, I might well do this outside because these ceilings are all a bit low for me so I take the opportunity for you to do the, the <clears throat> what well, the normal size ceilings for you but um, make me clutch a bit so I do the stuff around the outside and lock the stuff on the outside that needs Closing and yeah, yep. shutters going across there. So I'll cool. go around and do that. 
obviously we leave the main door open for the last two kids to, to leave. Okay, yeah, you can still hear the bells appealing because they, they, they ring until uh, until the sun has actually gone down. Um, but the bells While I'm ringing. outside, where should this delivery have come from? You know, where, where, what do I know about where these... So if you look at the uh, the map of granite holes, mm-hmm. so you see where the the inn is at the at the south. Yeah. the The north gate, the north gate, and the north river gate are here. Uh-huh. So the the barrels would normally come up to the gate here. They'll be retrieved by the wharfmen. Uh-huh. The wharfmen would would settle it here, and they would either deliver them to you, or they would send a runner to tell you that they're ready to be delivered, and you could then go and get them. Okay. And we we normally deliver them via the streets. We don't float them down the river again. No, because the the river is is quite fast. Well, while I'm here, I'm just. Well, going you to could go... do. I think in theory, actually. So you could probably decide for yourself. Right, I, I, I'm going to just go to the bank of the river here and yep. look up and just see <coughs> what activity is going on up there in this last half hour of the day. Up here, what, trying to see what's going on up Trying to see all the way through the town. Okay, um, that's a couple of hundred meters, mm-hmm. so you can't really see much beyond the bridges. Yeah, uh, you can see people moving across the bridges quite quickly, uh, as you'd expect this time of night. Most people are now, if they're not home already, are now making a beeline to get back to their homes and, and secure mm-hmm. themselves for the night. You get around, and as you come back in, the Right, Tree Tavern, there's some competition in town. Yeah, there are, and you've got... Uh, yeah, they black, brew black beer, beer, don't they? Or do they have their own brewery? They're, you brew your own beer. No, sorry, they, they take our beer. Um, if we're the brewery, or are they other breweries? That's a good question. Right. We'll have to play and see, won't we? Right, okay. I'll take them into the free. Maybe you're selling our beer now. <laughs> we'll have to see won't we so yes you've got the Blackbeard Hostel which is also another inn mm-hmm. and then there is a place called a hovel in the slum what's called the slum wall that area which is largely goblins but not entirely okay so as you're finishing up you're you're locking up Tony you're locking up indoors yep. Matt you're locking up outdoors you come back in through the front door just as the, the bells stop ringing to find that other than Shiggy, um, the cooks have gone and the maids have gone. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucine is still asleep on, like slumped on the table where she was sitting. Oh. Um, oh. So she hasn't left. Yeah, she kind of stirs a little bit after you tap her on the shoulder. For the benefit of the listeners, I was <laughs> tapping my GM on the shoulder. Well, that's why I said tapping on the shoulder. So, yeah. right. Okay, she sort of begins to stir and slumber and she goes, oh, then what? the bells haven't even gone yet. I'm alone. I put my arm around her shoulders and gently, because I'm a very gentle ogre, lift her to her feet. Okay. Um, yeah, you can do that. She's she's like, leave me alone, what are you doing? I can, can I show her the empty pub. Where were you at this point, Tony? Well, I guess I've just finished locking upstairs, so I'll be coming back down. So I'm probably just just coming into the main bar area. See what's going on. Okay, so it's now it's obviously it's, it's yeah the sun has set, so it's darkening out outdoors. Um, she suddenly looks around and sees and goes, 
My children, my children are alone. And she makes for the door. <coughs> so how... She's quite drunk, so she's stumbling. Uh, I suppose you better go and see her home, make sure she gets home all right. But do we, do we know where she lives? Do you have any idea? Do we know our customers well enough to know that? Um, make a vigilant roll. A vigilant, sorry. Um, yeah, now make a vigilant roll, but at minus five. Nope. Nope. Like, neither of you know where she lives. So she reaches at the door, she's kind of rattling it and trying no, to... No, I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't closed the door yet. Okay. The front door I've left open. Okay, well, she, she opens the door. Mm-hmm. We're going to ask her, where do, you li- where do you live, dear? How far away? Can you remember where um, you live? Make a persuade roll. She's quite drunk. Um, persuade or against us? Uh, can on, you persuade? On, I can do persuade. I can't really. So, um, actually, no, you just use that one. So, uh, you get plus two on your target roll, then. Plus two. Yeah. Okay. No, that's fine. No. She's, she's just hysterical. My children, my <coughs> children, they, they need me. And she, like, opens the door. Um. Okay, I'm gonna... it's, it's dark outside. You know it's unwise to go outside after dark. Okay, she steps out. Uh, I'm gonna go and run and grab my dagger and crossbow from wherever I keep them. I guess they're in the um, ba- in the <coughs> in the so barrel you... cellar, which is gonna take you time to get there. Yeah. Potboy, what are you doing? <laughs> so Potboy can actually speak if he wants to, can't he? When he's got something to say. <laughs> it does. I don't understand side language, pop boy. <laughs> I I sort of uh, wave my hand that you know he should go to bed. That I'll take her. I'll follow her home. Okay, but I'm not saying it. Okay, well maybe we should go together. Be, be on the safe side. So as, as she goes out, Shiggy's like, "Whoa, you don't want to do that, lady." So are you going to get your weapons? Yeah, so I'm going to run down and get them and get back okay. as I can. Um, is there such a thing as a torch or flaming brand in the inn that I could take to light our way? You you can, there'll be um, lanterns that are lining the right. walls here. You can take the lanterns <clears> down. So I pick up okay, um, one of the lanterns. Can you both make a vigilant test, please? Hmm. Give myself a high vigilance no. score now. Yes. Okay, Tone. Uh, I don't know where the map of the, <coughs> the thing is yet. Yeah. So, um, you're you've got to go down here to get to the to the cellar. Yep. So, the, so these doors are pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. This is a uh, cellar doors, but they're not airtight, so you can see little gaps and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some kind of shadow that comes past that, and it rattles. So that's to the outside. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's on a slightly lower level than that yes. bit. So so this bit actually so this is the barrel cellar. Mm-hmm. So these these steps come down here. Oh, so I'm down here, not yeah. Here. yeah so this sorry. is the ground floor, isn't this it? Is so this ground is the ground floor. So that is up against the wall, but it goes down into the barrel cellar. Yep. So it's like a big so Okay, I'm gonna grab my weapons and run back up. Thank so, you. Uh oh boy, there's something something moving around out there. Okay. Matt, um, we've come out here. Have you gone yeah. out already? 
Yeah. Yes, because she's she's she's, <coughs> she's gone. I'm she sort of hesitated. At the, she sort of hesitated I'm, at the threshold. I'm going to chat to Amlo and um, Elgor. Uh, we're going to nip out of a bit. We'll lock the door behind us. We're back soon. Um. Okay. There you go. Don't go outside. And Shiggy's going. What are you doing? Because you know, going outside after dark is very dangerous. I say, oh, Pop Boy's already gone. I have to okay. go after him. Okay, can we work out some initiative orders, please? So, so it's based on now I don't know how to work out initiative based on orders. quickness. quickness. Oh, I won't be going anytime soon then. <laughs> so, what's your quickness, Tane? Five. Okay. Matthew? Nine. Okay, so as. um. As you run out onto the street, so with the map, um, we're not eating those for the moment. Let's put this down there. We can have both maps, so we're for reference. So the front door comes out into a little plain, little sort of grassy bit here, and then you're up to the up to the to the road or the path, really. So it's not a proper paved road or anything. These are um, uh, some dwellings and some other buildings, as are as are over here. So she runs up to the road, and as she gets to the road, she 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 stops. Um, and screams. So Tony, you are <coughs> probably coming back up here at this point. Um, Pop boy, you are so just out mm-hmm. here. You've seen her stop. You've heard her scream, but you don't know what. You can't see anything else for the moment. It's uh, your action, Matt. Um, so you, in this game, you get two actions. What is in effect a move action, and what is in effect a combat action. Combat action doesn't have to be combat combat, but it's something other than just moving. Okay. And then you simply get you get some free you get some free actions, which can be things like um, uh, so, you know, automatically you get to defend against an attack, for example. Right. She screams. I can't see what she's screaming at. No. Is there? I cast my eyes quickly about. Is there something heavy I can pick up? To use as a club or something. Make a <coughs> roll, please. On a d20. Yeah. So much better if it was a d10. Do I get any sort of bonus? Um, no. No. Okay, so no, nothing I think obvious. No. So having looked around, I will. I move deceptively fast, in that <laughs> I look like I'm moving quite slowly. And I am quite slow because I'm nine, but I take big steps. Yep. So I close the distance between myself and where she is. Okay. Tony. Uh, <coughs> okay, I'm just going to run out, see where Botway is, and run after him with dagger in one hand, crossbow in the other. Okay. Um, as you do that, you, you notice, or you can't fail to notice, that you assume it's Shiggy has slammed the door behind you and you hear a thunk of the well, arm coming said. down. I did say it. Tell him to lock it behind me. <clears throat> okay, the next round. Um, Matt, you're closing with her. You're not quite to her yet. I'll get I'll get you to roll for her to try and stick to the uh, player yeah, should do all the rolling. Um <clears throat> It's quite dark and dim. The light's not pitch black yet, but it's 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 not light bright at all. And the darkness around us just seems to undulate and almost, just for a fraction of a second, become 
a sliver of it becomes almost pitch and swipes at her. She is coming under attack from something. Uh, so it's going to be it's accurate against her defence. So it's accurate is uh, that her defence is going to be... Yeah, she's quite good, actually. She's not wearing any armour or anything. So she needs um, 12 to avoid the attack. To a 10. So this suddenly uh, almost corporeal but still wisp-like arm, sword, stick, something swipes through the air and she manages to sort of duck duck around from it but she falls to the ground and is screaming Okay Am I within distance now? You can use your move action to close with her yes, or Right, I will move my move action to yep. close with her keeping my eyes fixed on the the, the, the the hard darkness Okay, it seems to have faded away a bit So, having closed with her Yep so you have an action. I, so you can I, do a second. You can do a second move action as well, I think. But you can only do one kind of combat or medical or. Right. Well, I, I grab her shoulder and pull her to me. Yep. And uh, so that's so you're picking her up off the floor and doing that because she's sort of fallen down on her hands. Oh right, yes. Yep. Yeah. So I pick her up and uh, not not fully up. Yep. But get her to her feet. Get her to her feet. I've got lantern in one hand. And I drag her back to the inn, towards the inn. Yeah, okay. Tone, could you make a, or both of you make a vigilant roll, please? Yes. Yeah. Okay, as Potboy is, is dragging the screaming uh, Lucine back towards the the doors, you're coming up along, they're coming up alongside you. And kind of looming out of the dark is just something. You don't know what it is, but it's it's big and it's malicious, and there's <coughs> wisps of stuff swirling towards you. I'll try and shoot it with my crossbow. Okay. See about that. Has any effects at all? So make a roll. Um, so it's your accuracy. Yep. Don't get any modifiers. You get minus two. Minus two. Yep. So the minus two to the my target. Minus two to the target number. Yeah. Okay, so I need nine more. So Yay! Yes. Okay, so the damage of your crossbow is 1d10. 1d10, if you could roll that. Four. Okay. Um, it definitely hits something, mm. but it, it it's not like it's totally solid. No. So it sort of hits it and it wobbles like a slight, like a dart not going in properly, and then it drops to the floor. But it definitely hits something. Okay, next round. Uh, this thing is upon you, and it will get two attacks. So, can you both roll quickness, please? Mm. 16. Is that a success? Two success. No. Nope. Mine is uh, a success. And can you roll for Lucine? Um, She's with me. 16. Yeah. So you succeed, but you both fail. So this <clears> thing <throat> flails at both you and Lucine. So the first one, the first swipe goes at, at, at her. So she, to avoid that, will need to roll. Um, can, I, can I roll... Can I kind of, because I, I brought her to me, can I kind of shelter her? Can try and place? Can uh, I Yes, I think, okay. Make a make a quickness roll again to see if you can interject yourself in the way. Yes. Okay, so both attacks go on you then, uh-huh. uh, Potboy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, to avoid that, you need to roll your defence mm. minus one twice. So I have a 
25% chance of success. No. no. Yes. yes. Okay, so you managed to avoid one of them. Um, so you take three damage. No, I don't. But you, you reduce it by 1d6, don't you, I think? For your, res- uh, for your robust. In return, the character ignores 1d6 damage from each hit taken. Yeah. Okay, so it hits you, and it, it kind of burns and sizzles, but actually doesn't do any... just singes your your shirt or the, you know, the skin on the back of your arm or something. Okay, so it's your go then, Matt. <clears throat> I run with Lucidae towards the door, shouting, Now it's worth saying. <laughs> door! <laughs> Odor! Odor! That's just going to scare everyone. They're going to not open that. Odor! Odor! Open the door! Open the door! Okay. Um. Fine. Tony, what are you going to do? Uh, I'm also going to run off the door, but I'm going to back towards the door with my reloading my crossbow. Yep. In terms of reloading the crossbow, does that count as an action? Or can I assume it's... That is a stunningly good question to which I have no idea what the answer is. Let me look it up. Uh, this, the index in this is really, really good, except for crossbow. <laughs> it just doesn't actually have listed. Um, anyway, I'm going to be backing towards the door. Yeah. Are the re- reloading crossbow once it's reloaded? Oh, trading it on the. Yeah. Let me find the equipment page. <clears throat> equipment weapons. Here we go. Okay, crossbow. Doesn't seem to give it a a reload a negative projectile weapons. A crossbow requires a movement action to be reloaded. While reloading a bow or a sling is a free action. So basically you can move back whilst reloading, but that's yeah. your action for this turn. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, cool. But staying facing the uh, backing off face. Yeah. Staying facing the thing. Cool. Uh Popway, can you make a persuade roll, please? I can. Um, and <coughs> you're making that, where is he? Resolute, probably. So uh, that's at minus two. And because of the circumstances, I'm going to give you another minus two. So basically, you're shouting to convince Shiggy to open the door when he now knows there's horrible things out here trying to kill people. Yeah, Shiggy. Shiggy was allowed to stay in this place. He just got to get some shit. Well, <laughs> well I come barging through this fucking door. They are Amla and Elgor at the top. Anyway, fourteen against fifteen, but you said I was minus four. Yeah. So no, I fail. No. Okay. So you reach the door, and it's like hasn't been opened. Have I got an action? Yes, you have. Right. What can I do to smash the door open with my strong? Well, are you sure you want to do that? We want to be able to shut the door again afterwards, isn't it? Yeah, well, sorry, Shiggy should have opened the door. <laughs> uh, you would need to make a strong roll uh, against the strength of the door. Uh, it's been a record. I'm not convinced this is the most advisable course of action. Um, so so the, the, door, the, door, the door is pretty strong, so it's minus five when you're strong. So eight or less. Eleven. No, you have steadfast. I think that might allow. Oh yes, to what does steadfast allow me to do? Does it specifically say resist? Or no. Is it... uh, with a strong or resolute test, when trying to break an ongoing physical effect from traps or a chemical. So no, I think that's not about bashing doors down. No, probably not. Okay. So yeah, um, there's a huge <laughs> on the door. Um, 
you can hear shouts from inside. Uh, obviously, um, Amlet and Al Gore. Uh, Al Gore? <laughs> Al Gore. <laughs> That's an inconvenient truth. Al <laughs> <laughs> Gore, not Al Gore. <laughs> I don't know, I'm going to think Al Gore every time I say it. Um, you can hear Amlet and El Gore. <laughs> I think Elgor's dead he's going to die in sleep tonight <laughs> oh. um, you can hear them shouting inside open the door open the door as it has another attack okay I'm keeping my back to the door and kind of protect okay <clears throat> um, so you are definitely going to get a attack yeah Tone can you do a quick test please yes so again I'm afraid Potboy's going to be attacked twice that's no, fine so thank you so your defence is three. Uh, three. Well, my defence is six, but... Okay, no, sorry, that's is three. Nice. So it's my, you get minus one for its accuracy, so you need five or less to avoid. Five. Mm-hmm. And eleven. So you take three damage again. Again, you're... Okay, I so, take one point so you take one point of damage. And, and can you make a... a so that's... Uh, it's one yeah. point of damage, yep. Yeah. Can you take a resolute test, please? Resolute test. Now this is a... Where's Resolute? It's 11 for you, I think. Where am I seeing that from? It's one of your... Ah, there it is. Yep. Basically, this hurts like nothing you've... 17, but I do get to re-roll that one. Nine. You do, yes. Okay, now that was exceptionally painful. It just sears. It's like a a red-hot, almost needle-thin shard being put through your shoulder. Um, turn your action. Uh, uh, how close is this thing now? It's I... right on top of you. You can shoot it. Yeah. I can shoot it. I'll shoot it. Yeah. If if I hit it with my dagger, would, what would I be? Accuracy again. Still accuracy. Yeah, I'll go. I'll shoot it with my spell. Oh no! No, it is accuracy. Yeah, but not. I don't get any penalty because it's with my crossbow because it's close. No. Okay, I'm shooting it with my crossbow then. So. so. That hits. Okay, roll your damage. Please. Ten damage. Nine. Okay, well that definitely hit something. Again, this is just a kind of amorphous <coughs> thing that is almost um, every moment sort of solidifying into something that looks vaguely familiar, almost a, a huge sort of shrouded human shape to some sort of beastly creature. Um, but that definitely you did nine did you nine yeah and then I'm also shouting because I'm now assuming I'm back against the door I'm shouting open that dotting door it's <coughs> us <laughs> okay well I said lock, lock, let me lock it and don't let us back in <laughs> um, you can hear the the, the the bar being pulled away and the door being being opened <coughs> um, but this thing is is right on the doorstep now so it, it's is there any Lucy, history action. of these things coming into houses? Yeah, oh yeah, if they're let in, yes. Okay, right. That's true. That's why you bar the doors and uh, lock the windows. Uh, Lucinade goes first, and she was sort of right by the door, so she's just sort of falling, falling into the room and being pulled in by Ambler and Elgore. Um, Shiggy is sat on his backside a few feet away where obviously Amla and Elgor have thrown him to one side to get the door open it's it's go so it has another attack so can you both make 
Quickness roll. Quickness roll to see who he goes for. Failed that one. Both failed, so you both take one attack. Matthew, for you, it's your defence minus one. That's five. No. So you take a hit, take three damage. No, I don't. Nope, okay. Tony, it's your defence minus one. Two or less. Yeah. No, that'll be it. Yeah. So you take three damage. Three. Unless you have armour. Uh, no, light I armor. have light armour. Protect your 1d4. So roll 1d4 to see how much damage you take away. Two. Two. So you take one point of damage. Please make a resolute roll. So basically this tendril that spikes you in the back and it just is absolutely agonising. <clears throat> resolute. Cuts right through you. It's 15... Just yeah, you're okay. You can res- you can resist the pain, but you. Uh, so it's your go, Matt. Right, she's inside. He's about to go inside. Yep. So I'll take a swing at the beast. So it's accuracy or persuasive or persuasive uh, minus two. Give him a hard stare. Because <laughs> <laughs> of his I in fact I will roar at the beast okay. as well and uh, and swing out like that. Yeah. Um, and ten, so I hit him. So you hit him. Um, for how much damage? For this is unarmed attack, and I get three eight points of damage. Okay, you you can feel this thing as you hit it. It's it's not solid, but it's not completely insubstantial. It's just almost like you're fighting through treacle when you hit it. Can you please make a resolute roll? Because <clears throat> that hurts. 16, I'll just do that again. 5, yes. Okay. <laughs> again, you have absolute searing pain going through your, your fist and your claws while you hit him, but you manage to manage to resist. Your action. Uh, I'm going to back through the door whilst reloading my crossbow. Okay. Um, Amla and Elgor are trying to grab you and trying to pull you back into the into the into the thing but you're not going to get the door closed until the end of the next round so uh is out of it so the creature is trying to force its way into the door space so it's you're in the way matt so it's going to be a strong versus strong because it's trying to push you back so we can fill the space and block the doorway i'm strong so, uh, so you make a strong roll at minus four. Minus how, four. How, those, how are those minuses worked out? So the 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 attribute of the creature you're against. So yeah. in this case, it's got a strength of fourteen. So it's minus. Uh, so you get a negative bonus on your roll. The higher it is. So, so you get a 10. positive. If he was nine, would that give you a plus one? Yes, exactly. Oh, so it's, it's a so it's on ten. bonus if they're yeah. under ten and not. Yeah. Negative, yeah, exactly. So you get minus four, so he's slightly stronger than you, yeah, fractionally. So I'm looking at getting nine or less, yeah, to defeat him. Five, right? Okay, so he's tried to push his way in. <clears throat> he, it, this is, this is not this is not a man by any means, but you managed to kind of hold him at just outside the threshold of the door. Your action, poor boy. Can I? Slam the yes, door. Yes, you can. <laughs> I will do that. Slamming of the doors. Right. The doors have been slammed. And the creature obviously rattles the doors and is is really frustrated by its prey having escaped it. But after a few moments of, of rattling the doors, the rattling stops. 
and there's suddenly an eerie, eerie silence. Right, you get a little sense that there's a shadow moving around the building. Every now and then you can hear a window rattle. Okay. Not sure if it's the wind. I will pick up the goblin, take him to the top of the stairs, put him against the window, and open the latch of the window. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm getting the measure of pot boy. Okay, you need need to do a strength thing for that, I think, to grab him. Against uh, his... No, actually, I think you need to need to do a, a an attack to grab him, right? But not for damage, and then it'll be strength to see. So you're accurate against his quick. I'll give you a bonus of surprise because I don't think he's mm. going to be expecting it. Um, so that's no bonus either way. So, so it's to just grab your... him is a quick. No, it's a it's an attack. So uh, it'll be persuasive. persuasive. Yeah. Uh, so what did you say? A bonus? No of... bonus no. either way. Got him. So you grabbed him. Um, now to hold on to him, it's a strength test. Okay. He's pretty strong for a goblin. Uh, but I'll give you... So it's minus two overall against your strength. So you get 11. Nah. Okay, he manages to like wriggle free. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's sort of still right in front of you, but you haven't managed to carry him up the stairs in the way that you wanted to. He's like, get off me! Open the door. But now, I turn away. As you turn away, Amla goes up to him and says, You heard what he said. You should have opened the door when he told you. We're not going to throw you out, but you're not welcome here anymore, Shiggy. And he looks a bit sheepish. And he goes and sits down in the corner at the bottom bit and says, Can I at least... Buy another beer. Mm. You're banned. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so I can see the measure of this campaign is we spend all the time in the inn (laughs) serving beer. (laughs) This isn't a going out and adventuring shit campaign, (laughs) is it? I mean, even though I am relatively unharmed, I am... Uh, <laughs> did you take any damage there? I took one point of damage. Do we just heal naturally, or can I, is it worth me doing? Um, you'll heal one point a day naturally, um, and you can you can do your medica your medica medica skill is a once once a day per patient. Can I, am I can I use this on myself? You can yes. Okay, uh, I can try heal you if you want. How much damage do you take? Just I took a point of damage. Okay, so it's a cunning... And this is a spell or a skill? This is a That's skill. It's like the first aid, in effect. Uh, so it's cunning, which is 17. So, yeah. So well, you need 1d4, but that's going to be a minimum of one. And then I can uh, go myself as well. Actually, succeed. So I only took one mm-hmm. as well. So. Pack it on the shoulder. <laughs> cool. <clears throat> um, or Lucy, whatever name is, didn't take any... Yes, did she? No, she didn't, know. She is just lying on the floor, a bit distraught. <coughs> yeah, I say, well, you'll have to stay here for the night now, dear. My children, Well, my if children. they're sensible enough to stay indoors, they'll be fine. We'll go and see them in the morning. <laughs> All right. Go and see them in the morning, dear. Dear. That's you know, a way of talking to people. Persuaded me of seven. <laughs> 
I wonder if there should be a bonus, or kind of a racial bonus for an ogre, seeing what? you are. Well, that, I mean, my racial bonuses are my robust. I know. So, you know, that's what protected me from a lot of those things. But you're eight foot tall, it is. Yeah, you mean strength bonus. And you're, and you're not as strong as the goblin. <laughs> well, yeah. thin and wiry. Yeah. I mean, I got him. He just wriggled out my hands. There may be some other things I can... You know, there's some other um, traits I can probably get with experience points if I want to. Good strength, yeah, potentially. Story-wise, you don't need to be strong from the beginning of the story. No, no. As it were. But you might become strong later. Mm, Yeah. I'm very happy with how that combat went. But (laughs) I am also aware of the fact that we're just staying, we're only going outside at daytime, and um, we're going to stay in the inn and have the adventures of running an inn. <laughs> Thought you survived that combat rather well, actually. I did, yeah, but, you know, there were enough hints there that <laughs> things could have gone wrong. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I missed that bit. These creatures are a part of the dark and get an automatic surprise attack every turn unless a vigilance quick against quick is made. <laughs> right. Yeah, another reason not to go outdoors at night. So the night passes. Uh, Lucine eventually falls asleep, um, and then wakes up the next day with a with a hangover. And as soon as uh, the bells ring to, to denote daytime, she's she's out the door uh, and she's gone. Amlo and Elgor sort of get up and you, you all start preparing the preparing the inn for the day. Amla is looking quite worried. And a bit on edge. Uh, and after about you know, 20 minutes of sort of fiddling with some mugs and things behind the bar, he um, he asks you both to come over and, and sit with him for a moment. Hmm. And, and he says, <clears throat> I put up a little chair that looks tiny. So it's like I'm sitting like an on adult a sitting on a chair. <laughs> <laughs> chair. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, he says, but this one is the one chair in the inn that I know can support. Take your one. If only had some darkness points, break the chair. <laughs> um, Amla says, "I know that you, you know you've noticed that that, you know, that things aren't as well here as they as they should." And, and have we? Oh, oh <laughs> yes, yes, we have. That's right. Yeah. And, then, and, I'm, and I'm and I'm conscious that yesterday, pop boy, I. I wasn't in, entirely truthful with you, which which is not is not something I I wish to I wish to do. I wish you know, you're you're part of our family, both of you living here. And being truthful with one's family is uh, is perhaps the most important thing. Also, doing things for one's family is is, is important, and I I have I have something I need you to do for me. It's it's early morning now. I think you have time. I need you to. Go and find out what's happening with the deliveries for the festival. Hmm. We I don't know where where they are. They, they whether they've even reached the city. Um, if we don't get them soon in the next few days, we won't have time to brew the beer we need to brew, and we'll miss the opportunity of the festival. And we need that opportunity to keep this roof over our heads. I wouldn't ask you to to do this normally, but we are. We're in a dire place and 
Elgor and I are too old to to run around trying to find 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 the supplies, and you're the only people that we trust. Of course, of course. The what have we got on that? PB. Is it like that? <laughs> no, okay. Pop that in. <laughs> that was a very meaningful look there. <laughs> Well, that would be, I'm going to take in your arse yeah, look. <laughs> How long do I have to put up with this before I give Matthew an extra experience point for, just for being irritating? <laughs> if you want me to be irritating. <laughs> uh, they say, look, go and, go and see if anything's come into the wharf. If not, go to Tymore Mills and, and see what's happening. How far... <clears throat> In, in time travelled, does it take to get to Tymor Mills? Tymor Mills is seven miles. Oh, not that long. And what's the so, train like up the side of the river? Is, it, is there a path? Is, there is, is, a, there is, is it a, easily passable? There is a path. It's reasonably easy. It's not, it's not the easiest. It's quite rugged. But it's... Um, given yeah. a given you know a fair wind, you should be able to get there and back in a day. Okay. It might be quite tight to do the whole thing in a day. You certainly don't want to be out in between... Granite Hall and Tunnel Mills at night. You have been listening to The Simba Room Effect, presented by RPGGods.org and FictionSuit.org. The music was the Carvosti theme by Iron Pact Orchestra, used with permission of Young Ringer. Typefaces are Code by Font Fabric and Season of the Witch Black by Image X.